0: Welcome everybody to Letter Now, a podcast where we nurture the hand lettering masters of tomorrow, today. My name is Martina Flor, I'm a lettering artist, author, educator, and the host of this show. And today I I have an awesome guest here with me to talk about working internationally. We will answer questions like: How do you find clients in other countries? How can you have the same persuasiveness in another language? How do you deal with preconcepts about your country of origin or cultural background? How do you cope with uncomfortable working hours? And to discuss all of this, I have a great guest with me, Sila Costa. Um, Sila is a graphic designer and lettering artist uh, from Curitiba, Brazil, and she's a lovely person overall. Hello, Sila. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Hello, everyone.
0: So, Stila, um I want to ask you like, to introduce yourself. Like, how would you define the work you do? And, you know, how would you introduce yourself as an artist?
1: Okay, um, I'm a graphic designer, and I mainly work as a lettering artist uh, in projects where uh, letters uh, have a fundamental roles. So it can range from book covers, I do a lot of book covers, uh, branding, um sometimes ad campaigns or any kind of visual campaigns and murals i also do murals as more part of a personal uh projects uh, mm. and yeah i guess what unifies everything is uh drawing letters yeah
0: mm. yeah and this is this is how we also Um, know each other right we know each other for a while in fact I think we belong to the same generation that started working with lettering uh, in the decade where lettering started taking off Um, we also have in common that we were both born in Latin America Uh, for those that are listening that don't know I was born in Argentina and moved countries over 13 years ago and I live in Berlin Germany now I have a pretty international client base and you Sila on the other hand, you continue living in Brazil, and you also have a pretty um, international client base, right? Um, so mm-hmm. I thought that the two of us, with these two different experiences when it comes to relocating and working internationally, I thought we could I ha- thought we could bring some complementary insights to these conversations. Um, so today we are going to speak about working internationally or reaching out to international clients, right? Um, and to kick off the conversation, I like to start by sharing a small poll that I did on Instagram. So I just posted that, you know, nowadays, as a quote, like, nowadays, you can work from everywhere with people all over the world. And I asked the followers to tell me if they agreed with this, um, with this quote or this, um yeah, this thing I said or not. And 79% of them said yes, that they agree that nowadays um, you can work from everywhere with... Uh, no, sorry, I'm just not reading this uh, properly. So I said that, hey, no, nowadays you can work from everywhere with people all over the world. And I said like, okay, this sound sound nice in theory, but it's not that easy in the practice. And 79% of people actually agreed with this. So they agreed with the yeah. fact that, yeah, this sounds nice. This sounds like something that you could do nowadays, especially in this context where everyone is working from home. And like you don't need to be in the place to actually do the work in a lot of cases. Right. But,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: the reality of that is different. It's not so easy, right? So th- what? why do you think that people, why do you think it, this is this way and why do you think people think this way as, about this as well?
1: Yeah, I think it's doable. Uh, of course, technology allows us to do this and like everything is connected right now, so it's much easier than it was uh, 20 years ago. But it's not easy because um, it takes, it takes time, of mm. course, to build a network and to put your work out there and then have clients from other places to reach out to you. Mm. Uh, So it got me thinking about uh, what was this trajectory to me when I saw the questions and when I saw the poll uh, in your stories, because I don't think it's something that happens like over a year or two years. I think it's something Mm. that has been happening over the past decade with me. So it's something that you build. Uh, very slowly um, this this client base this international client base uh, but yeah of course nowadays we have the um, the means to do that with uh, mm. video calls and uh, the internet everything is so well connected so I think this part like the more uh, technological part is uh, easy I rarely work with uh, clients or people from Curitiba, where I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess uh, it allows me to uh, to work in all kinds of projects with clients and friends uh, from other places. Otherwise, I would be like stuck with uh, uh, only the opportunities that I'd have locally, which aren't many in, in terms of uh, lettering, uh, design and graphic design. Um so, yeah, I, w- I would say it's a it's a way that you have to uh, to go through to get to this point.
0: Yeah, and that it's so interesting what you say because I think it's important to understand that it does take time. And we are we are not in, now in the moment where we, like, where we are always seeking for immediate <laughs> solutions, Like, we want to see results right away. And I understand that. Like, I also prefer to have, like, the fast route towards something, right? But there's things that need time. There's things that, you know, especially when it comes to people and creating connections and, um, as you say, like, expanding your client base, it takes time. It's a long game. It's not something that will happen overnight. So um, I think that perhaps many of the people that answered to this poll on um on instagram um perhaps they they didn't give it the time yet right they are they haven't reached that moment where they start seeing um results right and yeah. i think it's very important that we make a point on this that it is really like a long game it's not something that will happen overnight um yeah and as you know this is a <coughs> listeners Sorry. As you know, this is a listener streaming show. So as we go down the questions from our listeners, I like to hear, you know, your unique stories, uh, but also discuss uh, with you strategies that our listeners can use to work internationally. So Sila, I would like to start with some questions from our listeners coming from social media. So today we have a question coming from Albert uh, at I am, I'm the only Albert on Instagram. Um, So the question is, I don't know where to start and how to reach them. So, how to reach clients international, international clients? Any hints? So, before we get into these questions, uh, this all of these questions in this in this show, I want to make a point that I believe that most of the questions that we got for for today uh, show um, will, you know. They have, they are made with the image of a client in mind. So they're all speaking about how to reach clients that we give them assignments. And this is totally fine. We will speak about, you know, specifically about how to reach out to clients internationally. But I just want to make the point that having client assign assignments is not the only way of working internationally. Working internationally is also teaching abroad or selling your products overseas or having your classes on international platforms so clients is not the only thing you can do or working with clients is not the only thing you can do to leave the local market right so with that said Albert is you, if your goal is to gain international clients i would like to invite you to ask yourself like why do you want to reach out to those clients? What why do you want to to work internationally? Is this, you know, is this market you're trying to reach in a specific a, a very good market for your discipline? Or is it a matter of, you know, you think that it will bring you some prestige or you know you need to get clear on what what is the reason behind it because you're going to you're going to put some effort and some work behind it right so it makes sense to understand why you're doing this effort right so that would be like my first question albert and the second question would be like do you have the tools to do it or which tools you have to do it can you speak the language do you have a properly packed or packaged offer or service that you will offer because I feel that oftentimes we fail in the technicalities you know we uh we think that this is not possible or or working with with international clients is not possible um just because we tried it a couple of times and then it didn't work out and then this is not for us right and oftentimes it's about like adjusting and it's about finding ways of like perhaps packaging yourself services or like putting yourself out there in a way that will be um, interesting for that specific market, right? Um, So sometimes it's about us and not so much about like the market or the, you know, those international clients that you're trying to reach out. Um, And I wanted to say that before I pass it to you, Sila. So um, what are some, some of the things that you did to land your first international clients and gigs?
1: Okay, um, I think there are many uh, points that we'd have to touch. But of course, let's keep it a little simple here. <laughs> we don't have much time, but uh, first, uh, it's important what you said. You have to think about what, where are you in the world? What kinds mm-hmm. of markets you want to work with? Uh, in my mm-hmm. case, I live in Brazil. Uh, And when I say I work internationally, uh, of course, I work for um, America in general, South America, Central and North America, Mm -hmm. and Europe mainly. Uh, So we have to think about the the whole world. I have never worked for a client in Africa. I would very much love to. Uh, In Asia, I guess I worked maybe once or twice. And uh, Australia, yeah, Australia, I do have some clients there um but yeah my my point uh, for working internationally is mostly um that i love having this exchange of cultures uh mm. so uh, of course it's nice for me to work for a client from europe because if i earn in euros this is worth a lot here in brazil and i have this financial advantage but i'm Uh, That being said, I also love to work for Argentinian clients or Colombian clients, like clients from South America because of like cultural background. So we have many, many points uh, about all of this. Uh, Talking about uh, tips, I guess the first one and the most basic one is uh, languages. So uh, I don't know if Albert is a native English speaker, but if you're a native English speaker, that makes everything so much easier because mm. English is right now in our world, the language in which we communicate. Uh, so who knows, maybe in the future, it will be Mandarin or um, Spanish, whatever. I, I'm I'm sure that Portuguese won't be in the, <laughs> the international language, unfortunately. Keep your hopes up.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: let's see about that. But yeah, I'd say um, it's important to speak English Mm-hmm. Um and I am lucky enough to have uh, been educated in English since I was uh, at a very young age mm-hmm. and also Spanish because um, well, being a Latin American, I have a, although uh, in Brazil we speak Portuguese, Uh, but I have always been in touch with uh, Spanish because we've had a lot of uh, family friends from Argentina and Bolivia. So this was always like part of my culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I learned Spanish too, because I went to Spain to study. So uh, yeah, I guess speaking languages helps a lot. Uh, But about tips, um, I would say it's important to have i've always had the mindset of uh the gardener mindset you know that like you had to uh, take care of your garden and then and your flag grow your flowers and then the bees will come to it mm. uh, so uh, this is what i've always tried to keep in mind i'm Also by personality, I don't have this uh, very like aggressive, active uh, attitude towards clients, like to reach out to clients, hey, I'm here. So what I usually do is to uh, prepare, like prepare my portfolio, uh, uh, do everything in English. Uh, So this is something that I have been doing for more than 10 years. So, posting in English, uh, making everything accessible to people from other countries uh, mm. and sharing my work. So, this is what I call, uh, like, taking care of my garden. Mm. And I guess mm. this is this is very important. Just make it easy, uh, easier to, to people from other parts of the world to see your work and understand it. Like, share it in English if you don't speak English maybe you can like translate it and I don't know uh make it clear which languages do you speak um and uh yeah try 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 to make it easy for clients to uh, see your work understand what what you mean with your work uh, and yeah put yourself out there
0: that's so interesting because um when you speak about like growing your garden is it's really empowering as a as an approach because it's it's about like putting yourself out there or growing yourself in a way that you you attract those opportunities and that you become very attractive for your clients right Mm -hmm. and even if you you know even if you are not able to speak other languages and you just speak your local language like I think already like Sort of taking care first of what you're offering and what your offer is or service as a as an artist and designer um, is like the first step towards like attracting the right opportunities, right? So, you yeah. know, this thing that we hear about like, hey, show in your portfolio, you should show the kind of work you want to get more of. The same happens with um with everything you show out there, like how you uh, how you design your website and how you speak to your followers on social media and how you sort of show up to events, right? So the way you show up in the world also attracts the opportunities you um, you you know you, you want to get more of, right? Yeah. Um, sure. However, I'm I'm sure that there is other um, like techniques that you can use to attract. Uh, clients, there you you know you can also cold call or you can also like um, try to connect with a specific people. What I always say to my students, you know, still I, I coach students in in my coaching programs, and what I also you know this question comes up often, uh, like hey, how can I work internationally? And this is, I I really value that there's this intention of working internationally, and because especially nowadays like the world can become like your playground or your uh, your space to expand with your art and with your services and with your Uh, skills, right? Um, So I appreciate this question a lot, but sometimes it's like working internationally is like a huge thing, right? Like working internationally, and it's like well, maybe if you try to put faces on those people, like if you try to like narrow that down to a few clients you want to work with, to a few people in those companies you want to work with, then it's much more approachable, right? So um, the framework is always like, okay, make a list of those clients you want to work with, then who can you contact there in that company that could help you, um, you know, make a first contact or um, that will be, you know, available for you to show their work. Um, so, how can you turn that big uh, ob- uh, objective or that, that big goal of working internationally into really relatable people, like people you can actually talk to, right? Um, so, answering to this question from Uh, Let me go back to that from Albert. So what can you do, you know, to first, like, how can you target those clients or make a list of those clients you want to work with, those international clients you want to work with, and then like work, make your research and try to find people that you can really connect with. Like, ultimately, what you need is to talk to someone to talk to someone who can, you know, you can start a conversation with, um, right? So we have another question coming from Felix. Uh, he is a, a, at FBP underscore design on Instagram. So my biggest challenge is to have the same level of persuasiveness in another language. How do you deal with that? That's so interesting because we just, we just came into like speaking about languages and stuff. And I can totally relate because... Um, I had the same when I moved to Germany. I couldn't really speak the language. And, um, you know, I feel that being able or not being able to elaborate about the work you do as a creative is very frustrating because we don't only like um, work or sell execution, but we also sell ideas, right? And you should, or ideally, you should be able to like speak about your ideas, right? Um, And I, I used to think that, hey, like my work should speak for itself. But with the time I come to realize that actually it's much better when you can also elaborate on top of the work you're showing, right? And when you can connect with clients and in in another level that is not just through the art, like, hey, I show you what I did. You give me the feedback. But there's also like some sort of relationship you're building with that person, and you can do that through language, right? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, in the first years, I wanted to tell a little bit of the story that I had when I when I first moved to Germany. Um, I had this fixation that I wanted to gain local clients, even when I didn't have much, um, you know, German skills or la- German language skills. And now, like, looking back, I wish I had invested my energy a bit more wisely because... Um, Like my question to Felix will be like, you know, where can you perform better with the skills you already have, right? Whatever those skills are when it comes to designing or illustrating uh, and also when it comes to your language skills. So where are the places where you can perform better with the skills you already have, right? And I feel that if at that time I wouldn't have focused on like trying to get those German clients, you know, like, um, whereas I couldn't actually manage a client conversation, um, it would have been a lot less frustrating. And I perhaps I would have gotten better results in some other country, right? Like, nowadays, I work with German clients, and I have no issue with that. Uh, But you know, it's like 10 years, um, 10 years after that, right? So um, how was your experience, like, working with, with clients and having to speak another language? How, How did that work for you
1: yeah um i think we don't have the same uh way of communicating in other languages of course Mm. we lose uh some part of the communication in the Mm. translation um i i try and do my best but this can actually be something good because when you uh if we were talking in portuguese right now of course for me it would be super easier and more spontaneous and i would start i would talk with more like slang uh, and with clients too so when i speak in portuguese um, i have this uh, this lighter quality of the communication that in english or spanish uh, i have to think more about the words that i say and this is not uh, a bad thing sometimes mm. sometimes it even makes it easier, it takes away the noise, so Mm. all the jokes that I would put in the middle are like cut out, and I only say what I have to say. Um, So yeah, I guess the goal here is not to have the same uh, communication as you would have in your native language, but uh, to communicate well enough to get your... To, to persuade your clients towards what you want to show, uh, what you want to communicate, but this is enough, uh, uh, not be too much of a perfectionist about languages. Like I don't, um, if, I, if I'm if i speaking English, I'm not like teaching an English class or a Spanish mm. class. Um, I just want to communicate. So try and be objective about this. Of course, let the work communicate by itself so we work with visual arts and uh, we have to communicate visually and this is the important part um and also like be brave uh, because sometimes we are too like scared uh of uh, i remember the first time I, i did a talk in spanish and in english it was scary but At the same time, people are not there to see your language skills. So clients are not like expecting you to have perfect language skills. Uh, You just have to focus on the communication. I guess this this has helped me like not being too afraid of making mistakes in other languages, Uh, but also the things that you said, like with the language skills that you already have, um, what can you do? what markets can you reach? So I guess the the ideal thing would be a balance, like always to try and do the best you can with what you have so you Mm. don't feel stuck, like always in this this path towards something you have to do, what you're able to do right now, Mm. Uh, while you like try to improve uh, some other ways to get where you want to go, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I feel that, you know, that's what I meant when I thought, like, um, hey, maybe I, I should have invested my time wisely at that at that point, because I was trying to climb a mountain, which was huge. Like, you know, learning a language and also gaining new clients and starting my freelance business. Yeah. It was just too much, right? You and were trying I, to
1: speak, uh, like you were learning German uh, to to get the German clients.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, just also i I feel that you know now looking back i i learned german through those interactions so i'm i'm grateful of my path but you know perhaps there would have been another path that was had less anxiety in it and i remember like now i i appreciate that because you know that improved my german skills like greatly like um but you know, you don't need, it wasn't really necessary, and what I was thinking is, like, if someone is listening to this podcast, and, like, I don't know, if, if you live in, in Chile, for instance, and you speak Spanish, like, you have a myriad of other countries you can work with uh, that are speaking your language, right, so you don't have to really worry about this, but you can already leave the local market already using your own language, right, and in the in, in what you were mentioning before if you're working in another language and your client um, is you know working with you knowing that this is not your native language it already means that you know the client is there not because of your language skills but because but because they really value your unique work right so that's that's really reassuring of the work you do right and i think it's something that you need to understand that sometimes having the perfect language skills uh, to communicate with that client is not like the essential thing in that uh, interaction. Right. And they're there. Uh, they're there despite your um, your course. language. And skills, you right? can
1: even you can even like make it clear to your client that, uh, for instance, um, so English uh, is not my native uh, language, so I communicate better via email. The writing mm. this is uh, something that you can do for instance like it's, it's scary to do a video call or a phone call uh in another language okay so let's just do it in writing if it's okay for you because it's easier for me so this kind of things like make it uh be open with your client uh or work partner that what your limitations are in language and it's okay most of the times it's are completely okay. That's not the reason they are there for, uh, just to make the workflow better.
0: Absolutely. So um, let's move to our next sex segment, which is our inspirational quote segment. Uh, Sila, we all love quotes, especially lettering artists, because we basically make a living out of illustrating those. <laughs> um, so in this segment, we do our best to answer questions from our listeners with a quote. So we later put these quotes on our show notes so that you know our listeners can either share them on social media or letter them. Uh, the truth is that we actually just chat about the question, and if we happen to find a quote, um, you know, we will we will ma- put together a quote for you and will make you sound very smart uh, on our show notes. Um, yeah. So h- here's the first question from Tinjo. Um, t- is at Tinjo me on Instagram so my challenge is to deal with color and the preconceived notion of who an Indian is and this question is fire Sila and I'm so happy that I invited another South American to this show because I know that you can relate to the preconcepts that people have about um, cultures uh, you know there's so many biases around South Americans um, and you know what like after traveling and working internationally and having an international family like my husband is German, my kids are German as well, um, I realized that every culture have their own prejudice. And oftentimes, these preconcepts or these biases are in our head. So I have a quote for you, Tincho. The quote is, To rebel against biases, you need to start by yourself. So, Tinjo, ask yourself, what do you think of yourself and which preconcepts are you putting on your own culture? Also, ask yourself which preconcepts you have around other cultures and see how you can start making those shifts, right? Uh, Because once you recognize that you have these preconcepts, you can slowly start changing that reality, right? If you think that your clients are having preconcepts around you is probably around you, your country or your culture is probably because you have those preconcepts as well. So you, you know, I have a lot of preconcepts about where I'm from, like, you know, um, and about South American culture. And whenever I think that someone has those preconcepts of me um, is essentially because I have them first, right? So I need to work on my biases first before, uh, bef- you know, I feel that if I work on those, I will show up to the world in a different way. Like I would not worry about what, what they might think of me just because of where I'm coming from or what my culture background is, right? So Sila, how do you deal with those biases? And what would you say to Tinjo? Um have you have any experiences with that with like preconcepts or clients working with you that they thought something about you just because you were born in Brazil
1: or Yeah, I'm sure I've had these uh, situations in like subtle manners um uh, not I don't remember any specific situation in, in which a client said something that felt uncomfortable for me, but mm-hmm. um, of course we live in this world and we are, um, we have this, this cultural uh, thing about the, the preconcepts and biases and it's normal that we ourselves also feel this as you mm. said so it's it's important to see that from from within what do i think about being um mm. a latin american uh, woman who is doing what i do mm. uh, and then start by there um, but that being said i do remember uh when i lived in spain and this was 2007 and 2008 I guess this was, it was the first time I lived abroad. And I guess when you are in another country, like physically, you can feel, you can sense this better, this concepts. Mm. So I feel that when I, I was in Barcelona, um, and I remember some situations that made me uncomfortable, not specifically work situations, but sometimes too. Um, but of course people have this vision of a Brazilian, in my case, of course. Mm. Uh, so it's very related to a uh, party and, uh, oh, caipirinha, samba, and, like, soccer. And so this is what people think when they hear you're Brazilian and like, we're so can you jealous. samba?
0: We're just, we're just jealous. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Uh, so I guess it's just the struggle of not being reduced to a stereotype um and of course uh being brazilian is a big part of who i am but it doesn't um it's not all that i am uh so i guess for me it's been a matter of trying to balance this uh i guess balance is is the word (laughs) in everything that that i'm talking about it's like uh i don't want to hide where i'm coming from not at all, uh, but I don't want to be a stereotype and I don't want people to just hire me because I'm Brazilian or because like I have a colorful, vibrant, uh, Samba-like work. No, it's, this is not all I am. Mm. This is part of what I am, though. Uh, I think in Brazil we have such a, a complex mix of culture uh, that Uh, this results in what we are culturally, uh, and in my case, like the the visual world that um, in which I work. Um, So I guess for me, it's like this, don't, uh, don't be ashamed of where you're coming from, like, be proud of where you're coming from and use this to build uh, this complex, uh, like, the, the complex mixture of may, of cultures that make you what you are. This is something to be proud of. Um, and then try to to build um, your the, the online image that you have or whatever, like this world is so weird that we have like this online image, but this is what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to build that around that, um, mm-hmm. you know? uh to um, avoid these preconcepts that clients or people from other countries uh, may have i guess uh being open about it and communicate where you're coming from and try to do it in a very like um in a way that's very much uh, yourself your personality
0: yeah if I it think... makes sense I think it's so yes. it's so important to to like turn that around and like see see what could be could become a limitation as a you know a plus and like to say like okay I'm I'm not ashamed I I'm actually proud of this and this is what makes me unique you know because also it's something essentially cultural background and the place you were born. It's something you cannot change. It's something that is in you, and um, it's something that will never change. And if you learn to embrace it and to see it as a different, differential mark in you as an artist, then it could be something that you exploit as a, mar- as, a as an artist, right? Like in your case, yeah. you don't want to necessarily be identified with, um, you know, a lettering artist that because you live in Brazil, you have this colorful. Um, a color scheme or like you have very expressive designs or whatever but if you will want to like you could also like actually market yourself around it right
1: yeah and the you thing could... is that not do, do not deny it but mm-hmm. it's part of who i am actually so this is important totally uh, and and also like think of the world the world is such a weird place that was building colonialism over the last uh, centuries. So mm. it's it's weird that we should feel ashamed for anything. We shouldn't. So yeah. think about that and like read about that and then try to, to be who you are, like artistically and cult- culturally with uh, taking pride of it.
0: Absolutely. Like I, I remember that I had a teacher of mine in the Netherlands that used to, you know, I had like a, like a feedback meeting with him and we had to go through some of the things I've done, I had done and I made a poster with my font that I designed and he looked down on me and said like, oh, you South Americans, you never use grades. And, you know, in the moment I thought like, what is this about? Like I learned grades in my art school and, um, yeah. At the end, I end up being one of the best ones in the class. So that's <laughs> that's for you, teacher. So
1: the- yeah, especially like in our case that we work in the typography world. So they're like, oh, type uh, typography from certain European countries. It's always like this. So the reference is certain European countries like Holland or um, uh, England uh, or France. Uh, and we can't like be tested by those measures we come from another country so yeah. it's it's nice it's nice not to work on a grid all the time too right it's <laughs> nice to like dance around with letters
0: oh yes oh yes so um let's move to the second question that is coming from Estela at Estela art on instagram I have troubles dealing with the working hours. Do you have a strategies to deal with that? Um, Stella, this is something I personally actually love about working internationally. And I have a quote for you. The obstacle is the way. So I stole this from a book I just finished reading uh, called The Obstacle is the Way from Ryan Holiday. Um, But what I mean with this is that This could be actually beneficial for you. Um, For instance, in my case, most of the times, or most of the times that I have to deliver finals, for instance, I deliver the finals when in Berlin it's the afternoon and they arrive in the morning of my client, right? So I work a lot for um, the Western world, let's say, or US and North America. And so they get it first time in the morning and, you know, I leave the studio and I'm done for the day. So that's for me a benefit that I'm actually ahead of them. Um, so the question is like, how can you turn that into, um, into a, a benefit for you, right? So if first you could, you know, try to reach out to clients or to find clients that have, you know, are more or less attainable, Time shift with you, so it's not crazy. It's not like they're sleeping and you're like full awake. Um, but also, you can, you know, you can chat like what you were saying, Sila, before. Like you can openly speak about it if, if you, you know, if they decide to work with you, um, they also know that they have to, you know, deal with language uh, um, challenges or that they have to deal with time shifts. So if you are clear about it and you speak with the client and you try, try to find like a common common ground, then it shouldn't be a problem, right? So for instance, I also like schedule all of my studio hours with my students that are also, most of them are overseas. I schedule them in the afternoon, in my afternoon. And I know that it's their morning. So it's a win-win situation. They're like just waking up, Starting to draw lettering, and I'm just leaving the studio and kind of having like a nice conversation with my students. So, you know, the, the, this time shift could be actually great for you. Um, and it could avoid a lot of like calling on the phone. You know, I feel that when you are in the same time zone and you're very accessible, you also have a, like a lot of noise. Um, Sila, what you were saying before that. Sometimes when you work in your own language, you add a lot of chatting and a lot of like, you know, chit chat before you actually get into like uh, speaking about the project. And sometimes the limitations like clear up all this um, yeah. clutter and make the things a lot more easy and a lot more organized. Right. So what, what, what is your way of like dealing with that with time shifts and how do you see that in your, in your work?
1: Yeah, this is definitely an issue sometimes, but uh, I guess I'm lucky enough to be like in the middle time zone of uh, most of my clients, so, uh, well, with South American clients, um, it's pretty much the same, uh, like for, from Brazil to Buenos Aires, uh, so I have clients there, so it's the same, uh, from Curitiba where I am, it's the same time zone. Uh, but i usually work with clients from the us too so in the east coast it's pretty much the same the west coast is an issue and europe is an issue but i i'm just in the middle of the west coast and europe so i guess this helps when i work with australian clients it's harder mm-hmm. but then then again it's what you said i just communicate like very um uh, very clearly with them from the beginning. So if they say this is the st- the timeline for this work, and uh, can I get the revisions by Wednesday? And then I tell them, okay, you can get the revisions by my Wednesday, which will be your Thursday. Is this okay? <laughs> so just communicate to avoid uh, any mistakes or like misunderstandings. And but sometimes uh, this is is hard when you have to do like. Um, For instance, like right now, I'm taking a class uh, online and it's from uh, type west, so it's uh, the west coast of the U.S. So it's four hours behind me. I have to adapt to it. So they are teaching the class from 5 to 8 p.m. and for me here, it's 9 till midnight. Mm. Uh, yeah, I have to adapt to it, but at the same time, uh, other people from other parts of the world also uh, are adapting to the class, and uh, the the teacher uh, is is very like adaptable in saying, okay, so if you can be uh, live in the class, this is nice, but if it's too hard for you because of your time zone, you can watch it uh, later. So uh, yeah, this is nice that. Uh, nowadays we have uh everything is more open to discussion so just um give the information to your client like as openly as possible and this is what i i try to do Uh, sometimes i also work uh, with um, like agencies um, for instance buck which is in the west coast and Mm -hmm. some sometimes they hire me to do like um how do you say this uh, like freelance, uh, they hire like uh, some you for a daily rate. So they mm. hire some some days, some of your work days. And I have to be available in their time. Mm. What I do when this happens too is uh, I tell them, okay, so I can work until whatever, 10 p.m. my time. And then I will do the rest of the work next morning. Okay, so when you get to work, I, I, I try to get ahead of these questions communicate and do the best to to suit them and my my sleep needs to i think this is very important to like be healthy because if i'm healthy and i get enough sleep i will do better work
0: absolutely and i think this is so important about what you're saying that you know communicating and like adapting and adjusting is you know is the way to go and also like i think that this this attitude also reassures for both for you and the client that you want to do this like you want they want to work with you and you want to work for them even when you have to work until you know 10 in the nights and which is not super comfortable for you um you are still available for doing that, but you need to have that conversation. And I think that um, that's something that is underlying of our conversation right now. That is about like you know understanding, um, like opening the conversation with the client and try to adjust to them and them adjust to you, right? Yeah. Um, so lastly, this is our better now segment where we share something we are happy about or something that has impacted our lives positively. So, Sila, is there something you're currently happy about or some project you're working on or something you want to share with our audience that makes you happy?
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, many things I try to have like a very uh, gratitude way of being, especially in these very challenging times in which we're living uh but i'm gonna focus in one thing uh i'm i am happy now about the new ways that uh the studio my studio is uh growing in new ways now Mm -hmm. uh this year i have uh, the chance of focusing on typography projects that i haven't had the chance before and even Mm -hmm. i'm taking this um, typography course too Mm -hmm. so i'm very happy about this new uh, chapter of my work and the studio and also having uh, someone working with me, which is mm-hmm. Aline Kaori I told you the other day. Um, I'm very happy, she's a friend, she's very talented, so I'm happy about this moment of being able to grow uh, the studio um, uh, bigger than myself because I used to be a one-woman studio and I was like happy and proud because of this but now i'm learning that it's so much better when you can uh, share and like complement each other's work and think uh, in a more in a broader uh, spectrum about uh, your work and your studio so yes i guess this new chapter of the studio is something to be very happy and grateful about
0: I see. I'm so happy for you, and I think it's so important for us as creatives to have this interaction. We, you know, I always say that, you know, as a freelancer, you have to do an extra effort to create those connections because otherwise, you can you can find yourself working on your own stuff and on your own for many days. And I I, I like to share something that I, um, that also has to do with that, with the interactions. Um, I was recently on our uh, private group for my students at the lettering seminar. You know, I teach this, I have this signature course. I have this uh, seminar that I teach all year round. And we have this private chat with the students. And, you know, every Friday I go in the chat and I see what they are up to and the projects they are working on. And I am so proud of them. Like, I'm so happy. And it makes me so happy to be able to impact the work of other creatives because I know that through that course they have made big jumps in their skills and to be able to influence that is, um, is like super empowering. And I also learn a lot from it and from helping the students like improve the lettering pieces, I also get to even write about it. So sometimes I share some tips with them and then I go home and I write about those tips and stuff. So I want to share with the listeners something I have put together, which is is a short ebook that I want to, you know, give you. It's called Seven Ways to Better Your Lettering. If you're a lettering artist or you're doing lettering in some capacity, you can download this ebook for free and you know, let me give you some tips on how you can improve your lettering in the same way I do with my students. So you can go to martinaflor.com slash better your lettering to download it for free. So enjoy. So this is it, Sila. This is the end of our show. It was so great to have you and chat with you about this. Um, so tell me, Sila, where can people find you um, and can find your classes? I know you have some classes right now.
1: Yeah, I can relate to what you were saying. Um, I'm so happy now to have uh, an online course and I feel the same thing that uh, it's so uh, fulfilling to to feel that you can help other creatives uh, in searching for their own uh, artistic expressions and their own voices. Um, So yeah, I have this introduction to lettering Uh, course in domestica you can search for my name uh it's introductory but you can also take advantage from it if you have like certain experience and it's been a wonderful experience so you can find me there Uh, you can find me at at silacosta in instagram uh, silacosta c-y-l-a-c-o-s-t-a silacosta.com Um, I don't, my name is not very usual, not even here in Brazil. So if you look for Sila Costa, you will find everything there is online about me. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was very nice. It was a pleasure to be here, really. You know, I've been a a long time admirer of your work and I'm happy we got to know each other in person. Hopefully we'll meet again soon when all of this craziness ends. And, And yeah, thank you, Martina.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, uh, Sila. So I will add all of these things you shared on our show notes so that everyone can find it. So this is it. You can find me, the host of this show, on social networks at Martina Flore on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have a question or comments, you can go to martinaflorcom slash podcast where you can see previous episodes and find show notes. You can also send us a voice memo with your comments and questions about any of the episodes and we will play them in future sh- in future shows you can also watch these episodes on youtube just go to martinaflor.com youtube to find them you can of course listen to all our episodes on your favorite pe- uh, podcast platform so this is it for today if you love this episode subscribe to this channel please and thank you all for listening and see you in the next episode of letter now Bye-bye.